This podcast is brought to you by Legacy Power. Gain insight from speakers around the country in essential areas of our lives. Each episode will cover various topics on productivity, family and friend relationships, physical and mental well-being, finance, leadership, and overall self-help. Mitch, it's great to be with you, man. I'm really excited about this episode. Man, our world is changing, right? I mean, we it is it is changing around us with this COVID-19. We're seeing massive, massive change, and I'm excited to dive into that with you today. It's insane. We we uh, we ask ourselves a lot of questions right now, right? Why now? Why why me? Is it affecting? How is it going to affect my industry? How is it going to affect my job? You know, there's a lot of people getting furloughed right now, let off, like pay cuts. There's, I mean, at what percentile across the nation do you think this affects people? It's interesting. 3.3 million Americans applied for unemployment last week. Um, it's, it's the highest spike since 1982. And it's wild to think about uh, what's happening. And people are responding. Some are responding with optimism and others are responding with a lot of fear and uncertainty and naturally so. I think our natural response to any change often is pushback and fear and uncertainty and we sort of can let those powerful emotions sort of take over our lives or we can step back and get back into that producer mindset, that productive mindset, what can I do, what can I change? I think that's so true, Doug. You mentioned victim mindset, consumer mindset. I mean, I think that's the natural reaction for everybody is like, why is this happening right now? What What's next? And I think, you know, you get out of that box of thinking and you start thinking more abundantly and you start asking, what can I do about it? Um, what's the solution? How am I going to adapt? And so I want this episode to be about that, about how we can better adapt to our environment and not uh, not be a product of the environment but be a change agent for it and actually knowing how to evolve during these crazy chaotic times it, it's important to to bounce ideas off of each other and i want to share that well with the world and um, and give give people that are that are in our industry that are in that kind of in our followership um maybe some ideas and brainstorming around what we can do to to kind of keep up with the trends and keep up with the change and and uh, you, we've probably read this book. Uh, maybe some of our viewers and listeners have read this book. Who moved my cheese? Uh, <laughs> who moved my cheese? And tell me a little bit about that book, Doug. Yeah, it's it's by Spencer Johnson. I love the way that he writes his books. Um, I was a big fan of the One Minute Manager as well. And they're so very good. simple stories, right? Very simple stories. So anybody, even my own children, um, I've shared this with them actually, Mitch, and I've, I've shared the one minute manager with them and they're still to understand that even my kids can understand them. But yet every time I go through it, there's another gem that I pull out of it because they are so simple. They're not overly complicated. And in who moved my cheese, he shares a story. And the quick story is there's a maze. And there are four characters in the maze. There are two mice named Sniff and Scurry. And there are two little people. And the little people are about the size of mice, they say. And and, uh, they're named Tim and Ha. And these four characters are in this maze. And and at one part of the book, they run and they find this little section of the maze. 
and they, they run up and down the maze and back and forth and they find the cheese, right? And they go get comfortable there and they, they enjoy the cheese and, and, you know, sniff and scurry, they put their shoes around their is what it says in the book and they've got it close in case they need it, but they stay on their schedule. Now him and Ha, on the other hand, they make it there and they start getting up later in the day and they come and they enjoy the cheese and then they start to get entitled that that cheese is theirs, that, that it's their cheese. And, and uh, later on, the cheese moves, thus the, the um, book title, Who Moved My Cheese? And Sniff and Scurry immediately put on their shoes and they go running through the maze to go find where the cheese has moved to. Whereas, uh, you know, the other two characters, him and Ha, they sit around complaining they sit around whining, being the victim. They sit around thinking, why me? Why did this happen? And they go through a variety of emotions as they just sit in their uncertainty and sit in their fear. And they're passive, right? They're just passive. Yeah, and they sit back. And so, and so there, there's some great things. But it, that's, that's, in essence, the book in, in just a few minutes. And, um, you know, please read it. There's many more gems throughout it. But this idea, you know, I look at our society, Mitch, and, and I want to get your thoughts on this. In our society, the cheese has moved. Man, COVID-19, yeah. I mean, country shutting down. We've got shelter in place in markets. People, we're doing the Zoom remotely today because uh, we can't be in the office. I mean, this is real, and it has obviously impacted the way that our lives are. So how do you think people are adapting? How do you think the government's adapting? How do you think your community is, your family is, Mitch? I'm curious, like, where do you see this idea of the cheeses yeah. move and how's it impacting you and your family? And I'll give you some thoughts of mine. I think we never anticipated something like this to happen. I, I think it was, it's crazy. You can't prepare yourself, you know, mentally, you can't prepare yourself, you know, economically, you, you just can't. It's, it's something that just catches us off guard. Um, but I think the the people that are able to adapt are the people that were living really, you know, the way that they should have been living prior to this. You know, they were taking measurements. They were taking preparations. Um, there's a quote that's um, by Richard uh, Marcinko. He says, the more you sweat in training, the less you bleed in combat. And, you know, we're in, we're in combat stage right now, right? We're like, fighting and we're pushing and we're grinding and we're sweating and um it's tough like right now we feel the pains of uh, or the pinch or whatever there is i mean how in every in every situation everyone's different but i, I think everyone's feeling a little bit of the, the the pain of combat right now but the more that you the the better you were before right like um him and hawk they learned through uh sniff and scurry that you got to be able to smell uh, the cheese going bad. You remember it talking about that in the book, Doug, where, yeah. where they, yeah, there they was change con- happening. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. So they were able to prepare themselves for change by kind of being aware of what was changing in the, in the environment around them prior to the big change where the cheese just was all of a sudden just gone, just disappeared. They showed up one day and it's like, where did it go? It's all gone. And, um, you know, instead of being passive, instead of being a victim of like, where did it go? Um, uh, the the two mice were, they didn't have any emotions about it. They had already 
um, been preparing, knowing that this change was happening based on some of the things that they were, they, they did right. Smelling the cheese, making sure it wasn't going bad. Um, and I think that's what we do in the gym, right? We, we, we train, we, we work hard, we, we lift weights, we sweat, we, we get to the point where we're just breathing hard and that will prepare us. And if we were working hard prior to this, um, I think we'll, we'll have, um, some leeway, some buffer because there is going to be some, some learning, uh, curve to this. There is going to be some ad- adaptation that will, that will need to occur that will take time that we're all yeah. learning. Um, but that's my thoughts on it is that some people will already have been prepared for this because they put in the work, they put in the sweat and the grind prior to this. And there's others that are going to be a little thrown off because holy crap, I did I wasn't urgent about it prior to this. You know, I wasn't doing everything that I possibly could and, you know, ruffling some feathers a little bit, turning over every stone and being a hard worker and putting in the effort prior to, to going into hard things. Yeah, Mitch, man, you said some powerful things there. Um, I love how you talked about learning. Like so, so many of us are learning. I'm learning right now. You're learning right now. The world is learning how to adapt to this change. And many of us are wishing we were more prepared, whether that be with toilet paper uh, or whether, <laughs> whether that be, I think some that, that are saying, hey, maybe I shouldn't have spent the way that I spent in the past. Maybe I should have put away yeah. some extra cash or got out of debt so that they didn't feel in bondage or feel um, the, the fear that can set in from financial uncertainty. And, and uh, I think it's a good lesson, right? What, what, you know, I went through it in 2008 where, you know, I lost money and it was a bad deal for me in 2008 where I'd invested with, with an individual and ended up losing a half million bucks at 25 years old um, in 2008. And I remember uh, that feeling of, man, I wish I had prepared differently. I wish I had done things differently. And fortunately, I took that learning lesson and I adapted and changed my lifestyle and how I approach things um, where any sort of depreciating asset, I wouldn't finance it. I started paying cash for them after that time. So cars or anything else. And, and I'm so grateful that I am. Whereas now I think some people that are ridden with debt, I think many of them are, are really struggling with that. And I think Again, it's one of those things we have to go through the process, that becoming process as we learn and grow and develop and is on our quest to become that we take these opportunities to learn and then, and then we got to pivot quickly. You know, for, for those of you out there, our listeners who, you know, our, our primary sales force is, is direct sales and door to door and many of those markets have been shut down, right, Mitch? I mean, they're, they're, they're shut down. Oh, yeah. You can't go out and talk or be in the home. But what I've been amazed to see is within, within hours of this all happening, we had leads going out, we had software going out to help people with digital presentations. Just, hey, pivot, shift, put our shoes on, just like sniff and scurry. And the cheese has moved and we're, we're on to generating revenue and people are selling and people are getting out there and, and we're having some of our best recruiting times ever. We've We've hired 150 people in the past three weeks in the company. I mean, it's just a rocket ship right now. And I look at that and I'm like, wait a second. Despite challenging times where the cheese has moved, we were able to adapt, pivot, take what we've learned, um, be prepared for this moment so that we could move forward and and we could really uh, take advantage of the opportunity. So um, for those, I think the simple message is for those out there, 
that are sitting around like him and Ha waiting for that cheese to reappear where it's always been. Uh, put on your shoes and go get out and go take action. Massive action. Go get after it and change how you add value and, and do that pivot now. Don't wait another day. I love that so much. I what de- what decisions were you glad that you made prior to COVID nineteen, Doug? I know you're you're a strategist. You you're a visionary. You you kind of you know what uh, what to expect a lot of times in the future. It seems um, just based on me working with you for the last five years, it seems like you're always a step ahead of the game. Um, what what decisions were you glad you made prior to all of this happening? And maybe what are some maybe a decision or two that you or, or something that you didn't do that you wish you did to be more prepared for this? Yeah, great question, man. You're making me think. Uh, the, the first thing that I'm grateful that we did is, uh, number one, we had a leads platform that we built in software in the company that could allow us to uh, send out leads and track and manage the leads so that we didn't have to push everything mm-hmm. on pause and we could continue forward. So on the business side, super grateful for that. And I'm grateful for great employees that have pivoted and, and adapted really well. Even working remotely, they're working hard, they're getting after it. So I think we've hired the right people and have the right people. On a personal uh, standpoint, um, we felt fairly prepared. You know, Mitch, we, we had um, pretty good reserves of like, you know, food storage and supplies and those things in our home. So when people were going crazy at the stores, we, we weren't as, as hectic and crazy. And, and I'm grateful for that pre- preparedness that we had in place. Um, things that, you know, could have been done differently or that I wish, you know, maybe it happened differently. Oh my gosh, there's probably so many mistakes or lessons. I don't call them mistakes or failures. They're just lessons, right? Propelling us forward, failing forward. But, um, I think, uh, the, the awareness of saying, Hey, something could really happen. And what if a plague really did hit? And what if our entire staff had to work remotely? I mean, the technology changes and being able to have people be remote and, and like literally one day, hey, we're no longer working out of the office, like pivot home. Like, I, I don't know that we really thought that was a possibility. And I think we could have been far more prepared than, than what we were. And next time and in the future, we'll be more prepared for it. I think our, our whole world is learning how to work remotely. Um, and I think we all would have bought Zoom stock if we could go, go, uh, <laughs> that's that's, that's what I was going to say. I, if I could go back in time, I would have bought more Amazon stock and more Zoom stock. And my my wife has stuff being sent to our doorstep. It almost seems every day. From you know, uh, we we have this thing called uh, what is it called? Like a food cart service where um, yeah. everything is being ordered online now. So everything online uh, or or virtual, I want to get in on. Oh, that's awesome, Mitch. You know, it's, it's been fun to watch, Mitch. I think you've adapted really well. Um, it doesn't seem like this has slowed you down. You know, I, I and maybe it has in your own way, but what's your journey been like through this change? The cheese has moved. I mean, you were even out selling. You were out in a market as the country started to shut down, knocking doors in home presentations. Yeah. But, but I feel like it didn't, you didn't miss a beat. You just pivoted and shifted and that was natural for you. Can you talk through how you were able to do that? Yeah. 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 No, I appreciate that opportunity. It it was, um, it was, let's see, three weeks ago where I decided that I was going to go down to Texas 
to be on, go on a little blitz trip and I was going to do hell week. We call it, and it was nine to nine, nine AM to nine PM. Um, basically all out, no, no distractions. Um, I had my schedule set up where I'd wake up, hit the, hit the, you know, my, my strength training workout. I, my wife has this Peloton thing and I log in under her account and I follow the the strength trainer that they, you know, tell me what to do. Um, you know, I had a, I had a routine set up where I had my calls set up with my wife at 9am with two kids and then 3pm with another kid and then 9pm again with her. And, um, every, every single minute was dedicated to just trying to be productive and sell. And, um, about four days into it, um, through this whole disaster crisis, um, we were, we were muscling through it. People were saying, what are you doing out here on the doors? Other people were like, I don't care. Like COVID-19, they were shaking hands. Like what I learned was that everyone took it differently. Um, there was some really eccentric, crazy, uh, fear mongering a little bit there where people were were questioning just everything about why we were even outside. And then there was other people that just could care less. And I think that's how it is today. And uh, right now is, is there's definitely a a lot of different feelings out there of um, what's going on and, and how, how crazy it is or the reality of everything. And so we just made it work. We went out there and we, we adapted our pitch was, Hey, with everything going on, we realize it's crazy. Um, but a lot more people are interested in the reliability, the self-reliance of solar right now. The challenge has been, it's been way too expensive in the past and it's hard to sell. So our job, we come out here doing something a little bit different and then we go into our same, you know, door approach and that seemed to really work as we pivoted. Yeah. And, and, and then, and then a day later, an earthquake hit Utah. And so my wife was freaking out, man. Like she was, she was at home with three kids. We didn't yeah, really have anybody. Scared. I remember, I remember calling you and saying, Doug, what, sh- what the heck is happening in Utah? And, you know, I was in Texas. I was a little, little worried, you know, wonder- worried about my family. And they were of course scared too. And they were about ready to pack up and move to move to Timbuktu to get away from the city. And I was like, no, just stay there and I'll drive home. So I actually cut my trip short and I was able to sell seven, seven solar accounts while I was there for a few days. Um, it was, it was highly productive for the time that I was there, but, um, but it's scary. I, I can understand how other people may feel that are like even less prepared than, than you or I. And, um, it, it's a, it's, it's one of those scenarios where you don't feel like you're in control. And so what I ended up doing, what helped me at least was I eliminated every distraction that I possibly could. Um, I controlled what I could control. Um, there's only certain things that you can control, right? Like the the time right. that you actually put in the, the doors that you, or the calls that you make, the people that you talk to, um, the actions, the, yeah. the actions. And, and I try to eliminate distractions and I feel like, what will help anybody in this crazy time is just creating good routines. Creating routines will reduce the passivity. It will reduce the anxiety. It will keep you busy and industrious. It will keep you happy and satisfied with 
what you're doing out there and where you, where you are in your life, it'll create abundance. It'll create, um, a giver mentality mentality rather than just sitting back and being depressed because I think depression is the byproduct of passivity. And if you can keep going, keep moving, it will really, it will really jumpstart your, um, keep your improvement and learning and overcoming failure. Keep progressing, keep becoming. That's part of it, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I love that, Mitch. I, you know, I'm reminded in the book, Who Moved My Cheese, there's a section that talks about adapting to change quickly, which you were able to do, Mitch, and I really respect that about you. It says this, think how powerful this is. The quicker you let go of the old cheese, old cheese could be be defined as something spiritually, physically, emotionally, intellectually. It could be at work, how you go about work. It could be any of those things, right? The quicker you let go of the old cheese, the sooner you can enjoy the new cheese. The quicker you can let go, the sooner you can enjoy the new cheese. And I think so many people are still sitting back thinking, and Mitch, I've been guilty of this. Man, remember how great life was when we could take the kids to the bounce house? On a Saturday, instead of saying, man, we're so blessed that we can go on a walk as a family and be uninterrupted. You see, you see what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's this, this paradigm of, I've got to let go of the trampoline park right now for my kids. And I've got to be all in and be grateful for the extra time that I have with them, the extra time that I have with, with my wife and family, and be really focused and present and be grateful, Mitch grateful gratitude like i think that's about yeah. why it's so powerful when the cheese moves because all of a sudden you can get out of that place of fear and uncertainty and doubt and despair and depression but rather be grateful for where we're at and i think a, a real thing that i think will help our audience will really be step back and think of all the things you should be grateful for in this time we should be grateful for our health and our uh, families and our loved ones and the ability to earn an income, even if we've had to sh shift, shift how we do that. And there, there's so many things we can be grateful for. And I'm reminded of the improvement cycle I've trained on many times where you improve and then you recognize that improvement and you're grateful for it. Once you're grateful for it, you become happy. And then if you're happy, you have hope. And if you have hope, you have faith. And if you have faith, you get rid of all of your fear. Think about that. If you have faith, you get rid of all your fear, which leads you to a greater awareness that you can then focus on improving again. You call it the become cycle or the improvement cycle, but the first step is gratitude. And to all the listeners out there and to myself included as a listener, you know, I'm hopeful that I'm learning the lessons and becoming the best version of me and truly learning about gratitude at this time. Like, what am I really grateful for the things around me? And if not, how can I reflect on that and really focus? I love that. And it's, and it's, uh, fear and fear of failure, um, will kind of keep you from your, from your finding your, your true self happiness and, and your new cheese. Um, I, I think for those who haven't read that book, um, Who Moved My Cheese, it's a great book. I think the I think question people are asking right now is what the heck is cheese stand for? What's some what is it symbolic of? Um, maybe talk talk to to me about what your personal cheese is, Doug, and what the cheese is is in the book. What it, what that means? 
Yeah, great question. So the cheese, as I mentioned a little bit, cheese can represent anything. It can be where we're comfortable in our lives. It can be our jobs and where we earn our cheese or earn our money, right? Like that, that's where we're comfortable earning our income, doing a certain thing. When that job change, it changes, all of a sudden we've got to change with it. It might be, imagine an athlete who uh, plays football. You know, I, I, we just recruited a, a young player from the University of Utah and I was talking to him about um, an injury that he had where all he had known was football his whole life. He got an injury and that cheese that playing football mm. was what he'd al- always known. He got an injury, could no longer play and pivoting and shifting his whole life and thinking differently was really hard for him. He had to change his mentality and now he's getting into sales and he's really excited about it and getting into a career. But the cheese moved for him, that playing football and he had to adapt with it. So I think that's a really good example. I think um, it might be, um, wow. you know, at home, um, the, you know, something's happening at home and, and you've been a certain activity that you love to do together as a family. We, every Saturday, we love to go to top golf and play top golf or, um, I love to go to jazz games, Mitch, and watch every jazz game. I'm a huge jazz fan. Well, suddenly you can't. Yeah, right? It's like, oh, I'm feeling a pain. But like, so the jazz could represent that cheese. I'm comfortable there. That's the source of entertainment for me. That's gone. Well, am I going to be miserable or am I going to go find other entertainment? And now we're playing board games and, and we're playing Settlers of Catan a lot as a family. And that's like our, kind of our, our outlet now. But we've had to shift and pivot and, and have a different outlet for our enjoyment. And so um, it can be a lot of things, but I think it just represents that change and something that becomes comfortable. And over time it no longer is. And, and we've got to pivot and shift, but um, I'm confident if we can do that, we can find a lot of joy and satisfaction. Yeah. There's a, there's a guy that I I'm good friends with. You might remember, remember him, uh, uh, Richard Goats. He, he used to work yeah, with us back at Pinnacle. Awesome. I, remember, I remember him talking about uh, he broke his ankle. He sprained his ankle really bad. He lived for basketball. And, um, you remember this Facebook post that he posted? It was super it – was, it, was, it hit home to me because I'm very active, and I, I care a lot about fitness and sports too, as you do, Doug. We play in our annual turkey bowl, and you just, you just throw down so good there. Um, <laughs> like a freight train coming through. Watch out, man. But, but, um, but he adapted and now his new thing is fishing and it just gave, give, gave him back that thrill of life. And, um, you got to find out what that thrill is for you and go after it and, um, adapt if needed for some of us. It's what we've always been passionate about is what, it's what we've always known that we can do, um, to keep us, to keep us happy and, and give us that thrill of life. But if we, there's always something out there that will give us that pleasure, that thrill, that, that, um, that long-term, uh, satisfaction, that joy, that, that, that happiness that we can get. And, uh, we just gotta, we gotta know when to pivot, how to pivot and know that it's, it's not going to, t- it's not going to be overnight. It's going to take time to get into that new rhythm and new flow state, that peak state that we, we all know and love where you just, feel like the days pass by so fast and um i i i encourage everyone to find out how they're going to learn through the failure learn through the adversity 
it's not going to be quick and easy just like that. It, it will take time and be patient and confident, be, be work the hours, put in the time and, and it will come. Yeah. Well said, Mitch. And I, you know, just to wrap up my thoughts and, and Mitch, I appreciate you uh, doing this with me. I get a lot of joy and satisfaction after it. So thank you. Um, I think ultimately my message tying it back to the become podcast, right? We're all striving to become the best versions of ourselves. And I think right now it's imperative that we replace our fear, our uncertainty, and our doubt with belief, gratitude, and faith. And I feel like if we can replace that and get to a place of a productive mindset, then we can really go on and take on the challenges that are there before us in, in the right way with the right mentality. And we can win. This is a time to win. This is not a time to be losers or to be failures or anything else. We're failing forward. This is for our benefit to learn and grow and develop and become even better people. And when we can accept that and realize it and adapt to the change, uh, I think we'll, we'll truly find that, that real happiness that we're all searching for.